here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. A young Elvis was once asked who he sounded like. His reply? I'll sound like nobody. The same could be said for Katie Nip. This is a woman with the rarest of gifts, her own voice. The Northern Californian Blues Americana Siren is equipped with powerful pipes and an outstanding ability on numerous instruments, from piano to slide guitar to harmonica. Whether performing solo or accompanied by her full band, Nip unfailingly captures audiences' hearts from the first note. She's open for Robert Cray, Jimmy Vaughn, Joan Osborne, the Doobie Brothers, Tim Reynolds, John Cleary, Ruthie Foster, Joe Lewis Walker, the James Hunter Six, William Duvall of Alice in Chains, and many, many others. She played the 2019 Mammoth Blues Festival as the only solo female act on a bill featuring headliners, Buddy Guy, Trombone Shorty, Charlie Musselwhite, and more. In both 2019 and 2020, Nip won the Sammy, that's the Sacramento Area Music Award, for Best Blues Artist, having been honored by the country folk Americana Blues Music Realm as Female Artist of the Year in 2020, she was also recently nominated for Artist of the Year by the Sacramento News and Review. She's gained worldwide radio support, putting her fifth album, Take It With You, at the ninth and 10th positions on the Heat Seekers and Blues Albums Billboard charts, respectively. It was also listed on the Roots Music Report among the top contemporary blues albums spun for 2018 and 2019. Her sixth studio effort, The Well, which features special guest Keith Cotton, who is the musical director and keyboardist for Joan Osborne, and Mick Martin, came out this year. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today from the Music City all the way out to California to hang out with Katie Nip. Katie, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really delighted to uh, to have you on the show. I'm so enchanted with what you've done with your career. Um, really, really slamming and um, got a lot of cool questions. Hopefully they're cool questions. Um, so first of all, uh, you have two sons, do I understand? Yes, they are ages four and six. What are their so names? I'm very busy. Tommy and James. Oh, two good names. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we get into the, the record and everything, um, I just want to, you know, wish you all the luck with this. I, I, this is really great that you have such a catalog behind you. And I'm just discover, discovering you. And I, I've got to tell you, the, the body of work you have is wonderful. It's just really Thank fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, so w getting this voice together, and you have a voice. You know, I talk a lot on this show about finding your voice metaphorically mm -hmm. and how it takes such a long, long time for most of us you know, we go down this road and we're like a ping pong ball. We're going back and forth trying to find out because we like so many things. And then, mm -hmm. you know, what is it about our voice that finally meshes with what we like? So for you, what was it, you know, what was the defining moment that one day you said you just, you just finished a song or a performance and you've said to yourself, I think I've arrived. Was there any moment in, that you can remember where you felt like, yes, my style is here. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. And this is what I'm hanging on to because it's tough because you're eclectic too. Yeah, I, I have been affected by a lot of influences and I have a degree in opera. So I remember when I finished that degree, I, I kind of thought, okay, well, who am I as a singer now? So I, great, all the technical stuff is learned, but who am I? So um, it took another decade after that to really just kind of settle into my blues Americana sound. 
And I think that the sound came about just from the more writing I did, the more songs I wrote, the more my own voice just kind of showed up. So there wasn't one moment on stage or anything. Um, it was just a very slow progression. <laughs> 10 years sounds about right. <laughs> In some case, well, it takes a lot longer than that. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's, I feel like you, um, you allow the song to shape itself and your voice is there as a support because uh, you're, you're so different on so many songs. Um, but you have this great blues, almost jazzy style uh, to your sound, which is awesome. And of course, supported Thanks. by like killer musicians too, which is great. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was checking out. I mean, the playing is awesome, you know. Thanks. Yeah. And you, yeah. like, where did you start with, um, what came first? Was it piano? Because you're multi-instrumental, which I love. Voice first. And then so. Voice first. And then since I got a degree in music, you have to get to like an intermediate level of piano to apply all the theory. Yeah. So, um, but I, in when I was about 16, I started slowly teaching myself piano because I really, I wanted to play and sing at the same time in the talent show. I had this big goal and I was like, okay, I'm going to do John Lennon's Let It Be in the high school talent show. So I'm like <laughs> learning, you know, I'm applying what I learned from clarinet sight reading and choir sight reading to piano. And so, um, but I knew I needed more. So I had a great private teacher during college and then after college for piano. And then when I was about 21, I started teaching myself guitar because I got more of an instant gratification thing with, with getting songs written. Piano, I was a little too technical and classical and I couldn't get that instant like, okay, here's your groove. Yeah. And now, you know, sing over the groove. So, um, but then it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I fell in love with slide guitar specifically. So 99.9% .9 of the time I'm playing guitar now, it's on my resonator dobro with a slide. Wow, nice. Yeah, do, don't you find guitar is like, um, especially acoustic, it's like, it's really a rhythm section because it has drums built into it, you know? like Yeah, drums, it's very it's... handy for all the times I play solo because yeah. I don't, I can't always afford to have my band with me every gig. So yeah, it's been a great tool for, also for variety in performance. So even if I'm scheduled to open for someone famous and they're like, okay, you got 30 minutes. Right. I'm still going to bring both the guitar and piano for variety's sake to, you know, yeah. keep people's interest. So you, so you, you mentioned in high school. So you were in band in high school. Is that how it I was all... in choir, choir in high school? Oh, okay. And, and yeah, then that... but um, on lunch breaks, I would go into the choir or band room, whichever door was unlocked, and that's where I started teaching myself because there was no piano at home at the time. Wow, I had the same story, only they, these guys locked me in a cello case, and they, they both got suspended for doing so, and I was locked in this cello <laughs> case flopping oh. around on the floor, but that's another story. <laughs> so we're going to start by just, I want to just share this first song with everybody, and this is called Chamomile and Cocaine. <laughs> Give up giving the 
so much good shit on TV Then he poured himself another drink and asked me who has Flickering me, but I surrender to the pace. Punch me up a head, pull off some needles, take a good whip. So what an elixir of sound and lyrics and the title, Chamomile and Cocaine. Tell <laughs> us about this song. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not selling drugs here. No, I know that. I know that. <laughs> it's, it's just a description of my personality. It was super fun. Everything from the poundy piano part to, to just the sass factor. Yeah. Um, it's been one big party with that song. <laughs> can, can you walk us into the studio a little bit and, and share the experience of uh, having this all come together? Yeah, so um, I always, always write the song first to the point where I can perform it as a solo act. If those things can't happen, the song isn't ready. Yeah. You know, um, all of the studio stuff and the saxophone and all the great musicians that I add to it are just, you know, icing on the cake. But I feel like it's so important to make sure that the song stands on its own. I agree 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I don't take anything in unless... I can sit there and perform it uh, with just one yeah. instrument, and then then you know, you know, you've you've got something to work with. You know, it can only grow. Yeah, from there. Yeah. yeah. So um, I always will just send a voice memo recording of me solo to each band member and say, "Hey, it's in this key. Let's go for this vibe." And they're so talented that I trust anything they come up with. Yeah. And if if it's not really a match, I'll that never happens actually with them. So <laughs> I think one time on the song, another round on my previous album, my trumpet player came in with this Miles Davisy vibe. And that's when I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm sipping a hurricane in the streets of new Orleans. Like you got to give me a party here. Yeah. So then I, I let him go off and improvise and blast around and, um, Stuff. But yeah, it's very rare when I'm like, no, you don't have the vibe right at all. <laughs> well, that's very cool that you paint a picture for them, you know, and, and give it to them that way and say, this is this is the vibe I'm seeing, you know, rather than just try to do something so abstract or saying, like, what are you trying to say to me, you know? 
Have you had a, have you had a long going relationship with the same musicians, or are you using a lot of different people, or you know, how does your your process work? Um, well, because I'm kind of fresh off of having babies, I did have to find my new permanent band about uh, three or four years ago. Once, as soon as I was done breastfeeding, and I was like, okay, I need a bass player and a drummer, and. <laughs> Those guys stayed with me and are still with me. Through, so they can say they've been on two Billboard charting albums with me, which is nice for their resumes. Yeah. Um, the And then the guitarist joined us uh, about two years ago or so. Um, and he's permanent fixture, as well as the saxophone player joined us about two years ago. He also plays clarinet and percussion. And then um, this last project, I just had some special guests added. I had Mick Martin on harmonica, who's a great radio personality and amazing musician in his own right with his own huge history. And then uh, the Al brothers, Justin and Brandon, were on trumpet and trombone. And so anytime I can afford to bring them on, you know, I will. But... Um, Sounds like you're up a, up to a seven-piece band. Is that right? Is, yeah. So yeah, um, that is really heavy to carry. Yeah. Typical gigs, five-piece band. Yeah. Big stage festival. I will add the other pieces if they're available. Type yeah, thing. Right. So awesome, awesome, very exciting. So I want to ask you about being a mother, a young mother uh, with two little ones and integrating um, this lifestyle and this career choice uh, into the world um, with your family. Um, how is that going? I know it's very, very um, challenging. Um, you know, I'm a father, and so I know, mm -hmm. I know about this stuff a little bit. But, uh, but how has it been going? Like, what is, you, what is your, um, your formula for getting this to work? Um. That's kind of where God stepped in for me when I was breastfeeding and um, I ha also had a tantrumy toddler at the same time who would tantrum every time I played one note or sang one note. Oh boy, taking away the attention. For a year and a half, Yeah, it went, it went on for a year and a half. I felt very depressed. Yeah. Um, and I was like praying and the words just came and he said in my mind, <laughs> it just, it just came to me. He said, do you see how much you love it now? Do you see that music is love? just like my love for you is never ending. You can trust that your music is love and is never ending and will never leave you or go away. And when I heard those words come to me, I thought, okay, I can, I can have some patience. And um, all that came out of it was, of course, appreciating the minutes more um, taking responsibility for each minute given to me, therefore using that time accordingly, not wasting it. Um, and so I get a lot more done now than I did before kids. I get a lot more done before, um, being married now because I just don't waste time like I used to. Um, so now when I sit down and I have a second to start writing a song, there's no room in my head for BS. Right. It's all just um, knock it out of the park or go back to it later. And, and I feel like my songs improved my playing improved um, and my business sense it has improved all because of just valuing the gift 
that time really is. Yeah. So you don't have a playbook. You've trusted in the Lord and he has shown you how to do this day by day, which is really the only way to do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> so, so you can have it all. You see? You, see <laughs> yes. Like I tell people yeah. all the time, you don't have because you don't ask. But you, you're proof that you asked, so now you have. And you're writing the best stuff yeah. and you're having a good time. And what's better than having two little kids in your life? I mean, you know, what's more <laughs> magical than that? You know, and then God blessing the whole thing is, is just truly amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Hats off to you. That's that's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. That is great. Thanks. Um, any specific writing habits for you, Katie, as far as um, when you get to work, do you have a system to use? Like I'm big on vision boards and I journal and things like that. Um, any kind of like, um, you know, tools that you used to use to help you um, achieve what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, my phone. <laughs> yeah. I just use the notes app and I write a lyric here and there when I get a second. And um, then I will try organizing those words on a piece of paper <laughs> and embellishing on, on a nucleus of a, a line I really like that usually ends up being a chorus part. Right. You know, I'll blossom out verses and things and... And then um, separately, I will come up with with a motif that I like to play. And then I'll go back to either the phone or the notebook and see if any of the lyrical content can fit in with that. If not, um, I'll reverse it and I'll, I'll try to come up with something different to go with the story. Should be no problem. No problem. So it's very pieced out. Yeah. It's very, again, when I get a second. Um, and and I, I have a lot more patience now with, with a song. But you it comes when it's ready. You right. know? But you don't, um, like when you're writing, do you allow the song to tell you where to go? Like, in other words, you'll, you'll just put whatever vocal inflections um, into it that this song is telling you? Because you, you have a lot of, of voices. You know, you have, a, you have such a style that you could, you could kind of go in different areas for each song. Do you ever sit down and say, this has to be a gospel-y or this has to be an R&B or this has to be a, um, jazz or blues or, or you just let it take you where it's taking you? I just let the story unfold and my voice ends up... Um, doing the right thing i guess <laughs> for it but i i never i never have a set plan ahead of time like right. i'm going to write an r&b song now like that never happens yeah it's, I it's can't all about the either. story yeah and um yeah i i don't plan in advance too much yeah good Sometimes it's, it's best to do it that way. Let's give them another one. Here is the gospel of good intention.
try to drop it, we try to drop this. But the anchor just swings in the deep. Nothing can stop this. I dive off the bow, feel the cold surround me. Hoping when I come up, I can wake up and be That was beautiful. Killer lyrics. And is that a Fender Rhodes in there that I hear? Yeah, it's a real one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I Just 70s, I bet. I bet that's an yeah, early 70s. Yeah, I had to smack her around a little bit. It was, <laughs> it was... It's a great sound. Awesome. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about the story behind that, the gospel of good. I love the opening um, when you're you're feeling the, the boards underneath your feet. Oh, we're freezing re- up a little bit. Really? Are we back yet? Yeah, internet we're is... We're back. Okay, cool. Um, in case we didn't get that, I love the uh, the opening line on Thank that you. with uh, feeling the floorboards beneath your feet. Pardon me, I'm paraphrasing from memory, but um, just such a great story. And how Thank you. you know who is this intended for? Is it for a certain couple? Is it for you? Is it for someone else? Um, lately, I've always had fiction with some real life scenarios kind of intertwine. Um, but when I was writing this, I, I had images of in my head of, of how Natalie Wood died because I was listening to a uh, documentary on that. And then um, I actually had really a um, grotesque, vision in my head while we were in the studio of um, this gal, Lacey Peterson, whose husband murdered her and her unborn child and her body washed up on the shore over in California. I don't know if you ever heard of Yes, of I've, that stuff. I've heard. You I did? Didn't, oh. I, didn't, I didn't know about the whole story, but I remember that being in the news quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. For some reason, that um, story just was 
pounding my brain when I was in the studio and it added this incredible darkness to, um, to the whole thing. And, uh, and then there was also some life experience in just your typical story of falling for the wrong person where, you know, you're probably going to drown. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it's a bad decision, but you're doing it anyway. And, yeah. um, so yeah, there were a lot of things. Something interesting about that recording is that what you are hearing is us playing it for the very first time in the studio after not seeing each other because of COVID yeah. for many, many months. So I didn't know what the drums were going to sound like. I didn't know what the bass parts sounded like. So the rhythm section that you hear is literally for the very first time them playing it. It was, it ended up being the best take, the most organic take. And then I think uh, when I overdubbed the vocals, I did maybe a couple of takes. And um, you can hear, I basically bawled my head off as soon as the take was done. So you can actually hear me choke up on that track for the one of the last lines that goes, um, let the belly of the sea come digest me. Yes. That's where I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 and then when they turned, I kind of didn't expect to cry like a big baby, but as soon as they shut it off, I was bawling and I was like, I'm sorry, everybody. Um, didn't expect to just completely unload, but I think it was just the, relief of finally being in that environment again and not knowing when I would be and really uh, missing everybody and just so many feelings were going on at the same time. The fictional story, Lacey Peterson's story, right? real life story, you know, um, and just being overwhelmed, I think. <laughs> but yeah. So, so let me ask you that because this is so weird. I'm having the same problem with this song I wrote recently and I can't get through it without... And it's just back to this childhood memories of um, two kids climbing trees and things like that. And it's just so so now that the song is recorded, have you had an opportunity to perform it live? And ha have you had that same experience where you're choking up like in certain parts of it, like trying to get through it? Um, you know, when I've performed it solo only over live streams, a couple of live streams, it was so new that I was really more focused on, oh, what's this chord again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now that I've sat with it and I've had some time to practice, I know for a fact that when the band finally hits the stage next month for the first time, I'm probably going to embarrass myself with tears. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, you know, it is. I, I think people, people like all of the realism they can get especially nowadays in the in the age of filters and uh, just posers and fake everything um i think that it'll be a relief for everyone to be going to live shows and and see the sweat and the <laughs> the wrinkles and the yeah the uh cartwheels and everything so that brings up an interesting point oh. of when did you get like such, you know, total honesty into your music? Because that's so apparent to me. Like when I first heard you sing, okay. I was through the first 30 seconds and I said, this girl's the real deal, man. I, I, can, I can feel your soul when you're singing. Thank and, you. And that's, that's not... That's a huge compliment. That's... Yeah, it's not something that, you know, most people can't even even get there. But let alone, I mean, you found it and you're transforming your experiences into something so, you know, such such a piece of artwork. Um, was there a defining moment when you, when you felt like, ah, you know, I'm just tired of, you know, glazing over? Not that you were doing that um, consciously, but a lot of times we, we lean, I, myself, let me use me as an example. I used a lot of crutches when I first started. And one guy that was helping me sort of managing or whatever, he's, 
He's like, you're using these crutches with your voice. I didn't know what he was talking about at first, but then when I got really honest with it, I said, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm using this stupid-ass vibrato, which I don't need, you know, and, and things that I was just hiding behind, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but you've got it going on with your voice and with your music and your approach to music. So when did, when did this happen to you where you said, I'm just going to be totally honest from, from here on in because it, it just shows. Um, well, as far as writing goes, um, I feel that this, that's always sort of been there. There's always been some stories. I've, I've had some experiences that forced me into um, why write a song in the first place and i feel i feel blessed by those experiences even if they were hard at the time but i think vocally honestly um as far as singing with more honesty i think that's just an aging thing and and again the once i had kids there's just no time for bs anymore yeah um and, and there's the finally trusting that my audience is finding me now, as long as I'm as true as I can possibly be. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I, I feel like um, it, it's just easier to, to sing in, in an honest way. I, um, <laughs> I always think of that Alan Arkin guy and um, that act, he was in Little Miss Sunshine. And <laughs> this is a funny example, but I, I just think of the way he responded. The, uh, the father of the girl was talking to him and he's this old man and, and he finds out the old man, Alan Arkin, is doing heroin. And he's like, you shot heroin? And his only response is, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think about that a lot of the times because I'm like, I don't care what you think. I'm old. I'm here. I'm doing this. And if you don't like it, move aside. Yeah. Because these people do. And it's totally fine. Like, there's this local DJ actually that is pretty prominent. And he he's played me before in past years. And he decided he didn't want to play me anymore because he said he hates the sound of my voice. And this other DJ that worked at that station was like, I, you know, I told him that's not how DJ should be. And I scolded him and I told him he should play you. I said, hey, 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 don't do us any favors. All of these people in the UK are playing it like and these guys over here are playing it. I don't need him to like it. I don't need everybody to like it. And I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I really wanted everybody to like me. And I, and I would be, I would have my feelings hurt if they didn't like me. Yeah. But when you think about a voice, it's like a thumbprint. First of all, it's unique to everybody. And if you, um, if you don't like somebody's voice, that's perfectly fine because it's like, to me, it's like wine or food. Yeah. You have a specific palate for what you like to hear from somebody's mouth. Sure. And I completely get that I'm not for everybody. And so that's a huge thing that transformed my balls out <laughs> way of going about singing it's like oh i don't care anymore yeah it's it's a huge <laughs> it's a huge relief isn't it it is because it's too much pressure to carry that around like i was the same way i'd get so offended and then it's like after a while you're just like you know like you just like you described it's like it doesn't matter it what you come first because if you're being authentic and honest then then you've done your job and your, yeah. your audience will find you. Eventually, they'll yeah. find you, you know? Hey, any um, funny or unusual story that you had that you could share at a gig one time? Anything wild happen or um, just, you know, rehearsing with the band? Any, any kind of unusual or funny story that you can, you can share with us? Yeah. Um, we'll start with, with one because I think about it as a foreshadowing. I had some gigs back in the day where I sang backup for Barry Manilow. And really? I was very young. I was 16. 
and it was four shows. And some of these places had upwards of 10, 20,000 people. And I, um, I think of it as a foreshadowing with the whole flashlights backstage leading you onto this big stage. And I thought, I think I'm going to be here for a while. Anyway, um, I was watching his backup singer take a solo, his main backup singer. She was this beautiful black woman, just full of all the soul that I didn't even have an ounce of back then. And so I'm admiring her do her thing. And the security guard said, hey, you don't want to be here. And he's pointing as he's saying this. You don't want to be back here because Barry's changing. <laughs> so there's this curtain, but it has like tons of holes in it and a light inside. So I have this glimpse of Barry Manilow naked. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw that and um, that happened. And then fast forward to when I was like playing solo gigs at bars till two in the morning cutting my teeth for like four hours. That's tough. This lady comes in with an overcoat and just opens it up in front of me. And she's like five feet in front of me. She just walks into the club and opens up her coat. And there's this completely see-through dress. And I'm playing some like Joan Osborne cover. <laughs> and and I'm, I, I keep singing and playing. <laughs> Um, and the, so drunk people are quite hilarious and interesting. And then there was one time where I was placed outside a coffee shop. They were like, set up here, play here at this time. So I sat up there and played there at that time. And 30 minutes in, the sprinklers all turned on me, watering the plants and me and my gear. That's the only time I stopped in the middle of a song to get my gear out of the way. I was like, really, guys? <laughs> Couldn't turn those automatic sprinklers off, huh? <laughs> the things but, we uh, have to do yeah. as far as being musicians is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And my band, honestly, um, I'm excited to get them on some actual tour dates where we're on the road a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's all been kind of local gigs because then I know the adventures will reveal themselves as a group. <laughs> yeah. What do you do for, um, not that you have a lot of it, but chill time, exercise. I mean, you, what do you do to just break away and get away from music a little bit just to, you know, regenerate or re-energize re yourself? Any, anything specific? You're a yogi, you, you run? Well, I think that every single day is important to have your habits, yeah. um, to balance all the things. So every morning I do a half an hour of high intensity interval training. I use those DVDs like, oh, great. You know, all those P90X style things. Yeah. So I always get that done. Um, it's so important because it's a huge stress reliever. If I didn't exercise, I would be a grade A beep, insert the curse word. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and then anytime I find my attitude is starting to, to suck, I, I meditate. I always pray, but... Um, I think sitting and meditating and listening to like your favorite positive affirmations on gratitude and stuff yeah. can really help center yourself again. Um, and I've learned to really catch myself and say, ah, oh, really do you, you shouldn't have that kind of, kind of an attitude. It's time to take a minute away, five minutes. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to do that before bed too, because it feeds your subconscious as you go to sleep yeah. um and i lost you there um the doors um so I, I i lost you there completely but now you're back i think oh okay you said uh, um you so said hiking is great Oh, hiking. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, I love hiking. I'm uh, I'm an outdoors freak. I mean, I just love nature, just being out yeah. as much as possible. Running. Well, it's, 
you know, I was a yogi for yeah. 12, 14 years, I think, a hot yogi. And then the pandemic oh, came cool. and said, um, oh, this yeah. isn't going to work. <laughs> so I started yeah. running. So I became a runner. And you awesome. know, because you can't just, I, I just can't sit and say, well, I'm going to wait for everything to come back. Oh, no. You know, yeah. You, you got to figure it out and, and yeah, make it all on. for you. You could do That's... anything, really. So let me ask you about about your boys with um, with music now. And now, uh, now, who had the problem, James, with the with the noise, like when with the um... Tommy, my older oh, Tommy? one. Okay, so how is yeah, he so now with music? He's he's fine, and I'm trying to make sure to let them choose music for themselves yeah. for this whole psychology behind it. Because if I try forcing it on them, they will rebel. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I did the so, same thing. It's just let them yeah. let them decide for themselves. Let them noodle know. around when they feel like noodling around, and yeah, um, yeah. Let them pick their instrument, no matter what that instrument is. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, um, and luckily they're used to my lifestyle now. Of oh, mommy, mommy has to practice for a little bit, or yeah. or do this interview. Please yeah. don't interrupt <laughs> so we're um, almost done boys <laughs> yeah they've been very good actually for i know i heard time. them a little bit that never bothers me people you know say they start apologizing i have i've had the fedex man come in the middle of it i love that just like well, this is life man it's yeah not, it is it's like it is. how old are your kids oh uh, they're they're older uh kyle is 35 and trevor is uh 31 he's a he's a singer songwriter in austin but you look Denver. 35 <laughs> well i've got um i take care of myself i eat all my spinach that's important you know? so yeah yeah so i'm big that's on that so so important yeah um, anything you want to say as we're getting ready to um say goodbye and and by the way the name of the new album is the well correct yeah. Okay. Just making sure because you have so 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 many bodies of work. Um, yeah. Congratulations on that and all of your awards. I'm going to put those all in the show notes because um, I really wanted to talk to you and get to know you and get everybody to know you, uh, Katie. But um, anything you want to say to our audience as we're wrapping up, as far as any kind of advice you want to offer, anything for the young up-and-coming um, musicians, artists, singers, songwriters, just anything at all that you'd like to just cap off the show with? Yeah. Um, as a young musician starting out, keep listening to lots of different kinds of music. Don't get stuck on your one favorite artist because it'll be harder for you to d find your own voice. And try to learn all aspects of the business yourself and do it yourself as much as possible so that when it is time to actually hire one or two people, you understand their job more than they do and you can hold them accountable and it's all worth it. And you can slowly build your team up after you've learned how to do most things yourself and know what you can't do and, um, delegate out accordingly obviously um because we're not superheroes but there's a lot you can do yourself that you don't need to rely on other people for amen amen v very very good pearls of wisdom uh katie i want to thank you so much for being part of the dharmic evolution it was a real pleasure i had a great time learning about you your music your family and i just want to wish all of god's blessings on all of you and your career moving forward Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you and God bless you too. Don't forget to check out all the show notes, all of Katie's links, everything Katie Nip is in there for your pleasure to listen to and support her. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find That freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me?